0: Welcome to the Post-Sunday Podcast, presented by Genesis Church. A place to go further, discover more, and to learn things you possibly never have. It's not just enough to know of God, we want you you to know know Him. him. Coming to you from sunny Orlando, Florida, it's time to rethink life the way God intended. This is the Genesis Post-Sunday Podcast.
1: What is going on, Post-Sunday Podcasters? We are here once again. New episode, new week, and it's a new season, man. We are getting ready to rock and roll into the New Testament very, very soon. But I'm here with my host, Pastor Tim Grandstaff. What is going on, my man?
2: I was in Puerto Rico man. this past week. You're your home. That's, I asked that's... everybody if they knew who Johnny Fuego was. <laughs> and I couldn't get any, couldn't find anybody. Johnny Fuego? Johnny Fuego? Johnny Fuego? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. No. They just stay they, they were we'll
1: they were apprehensive. They they're protecting me. That's you got it. a Caucasian man trying to asking for me so they are protecting poster, me.
2: A uh, uh, picture somewhere a plaque. I'm like, "Hey, I'm in, I'm in then I remembered wait, uh, it's Wisconsin. Yeah. That's where I need to be How you came to Wisconsin I don't know
1: I promise you I think I've asked my dad this so many times And I legit still don't have like A solid answer as to why we are We were in Wisconsin Like uh, I don't get him But hey man That is is the never ending story of my life There you go Just to hash all this together, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. But we're excited, man. We're excited to be along with you guys in this ride. We are on week 32. This is crazy. Episode 32 here in the podcast. But welcome. Thank you for those that have just been following us, been with us throughout this journey. Uh, For those that are new, we're Post Sunday Podcast. You can follow us, subscribe, like, Hit the notification button on all social media platforms, post-Sunday podcast. You can find us there. But we are a podcast that is generated out of Genesis Church and rolling through this never-ending story, year-long series that we're calling it. Uh, And it's pretty much a year-long Bible study that we're doing from Genesis all all the way to Revelation. And uh, we are now in that midway point now where we're getting ready to transition from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And uh, we would love for you guys, if you haven't followed through, come check it out. Be a part of it. Uh, GenesisChurchOrlando.com backslash the never-ending story is where you find all the resources that you need to catch up. And on YouTube, GenesisChurchOrlando.com, you can, or Genesis Church Orlando, you can find all the content there to binge and just be with us and uh, and follow through along with us. But we are now on episode 32, 32 weeks of the Old Testament, and uh, we're going to be talking on in the book of Ezra, chapter 1 through 3. And man, I got to tell you, yesterday was a lot of fun. We had way too much fun Um, it was awesome. You, Pastor Chad, myself, um, just, just, just having a great time talking God's word. It was a lot of fun.
2: It's a great time to show everybody our togetherness as a team, as a staff. Yeah. You know, you and I do this podcast every week. Everyone now knows Chad has been banished because of his, you know, to the darkness, really bad attitude and very heart- bitter about yeah. this. I like, don't know. Some issues. <laughs> People walked away yesterday. Like, guy's whoa! Angry. <laughs> there's some
1: I needs mean, prayer. We, we we need to pray. Yeah, to this guy. We, need, we need to make him smile again. <laughs> he's been exposed, yeah. man.
2: He. Um, but uh, you know, the reality is that uh, we got to celebrate what God is doing. Yeah. You know, not just in our church, but through this podcast. You know, the rea- reality is we started this podcast with this idea of how to disciple the people that come to our church, um, give them an opportunity to be able to learn more and to be resourced more um, as we walk through these stories in the Bible. And what we have found is that there are many, many people that do not go to Genesis Church, that are not in Orlando, Florida, that are watching online or not even watching online. They're just studying God's word. They're finding out, hey, there's a podcast that is talking and discussing these characters, these chapters, these books of the Bible, and they are now weekly listening, watching. And so God has been expanding it, which has been amazing. Um, and it's influence yet at the same time, uh, we were celebrating just the stories of impact of the people that we shepherd every week. Mm -hmm. And that was beautiful. And so thank you, as we said to all of you that do listen weekly. You, you watch, you're part of this, you share yep. this, you continue to support this. Um, as, as we were talking last week, we, we are looking here eventually to build a team around the podcast. Yep. Yep. So if the, any of you listening or watching are a little bit interested in like, hey, I'd like to help with your social media. I'd like to help with just kind of the, the marketing behind the podcast. I'd like to help really get this out there. I'm really good at some of that stuff. I know what I'm doing. Um, reach out to us. Yep, you know, DM us through Instagram. Yep. Hit us up. We'd love to be. Yeah, that.
1: yeah. You can uh, post Sunday podcast at gmail.com is a great place uh, where we can just kind of get that info information from you. Like Pastor said, DM us on Instagram, um, TikTok, any of those places as well if that's a preferred place for you. But uh, yeah, man, we're super thankful we were able to launch this thing from January first, and it's riding that same momentum that we have been riding through uh, with Genesis Church. In uh in that, but um I wanna segue us into our PSP Q question of the week. Let's and do it so right up front. let's get right let's, to let's it, man. Knock it out yeah, today. let's do it. Our producer Stanton's on the on the mixing board today, baby.
3: I am. I'm on Cloud Nine today, y'all.
1: <laughs> Why is that? What 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 inform us a little bit?
3: So on Snapchat for all the young people that do listen to the post Sunday podcast, shout out to all my youngins. When you're on Snapchat, you have, a, you have a, like an emoji on the map. And normally when somebody gets taken, like couple-wise, the emoji goes ghost. So you can't find that person no more. I just went ghost this weekend. Oh my oh gosh. Oh my the gosh. The <laughs> <laughs> yes. Boy, how had, had a
2: magic Woo. weekend. The terminology we learned. My gosh. And we just I, I gotta
1: just, keep
3: just y'all, gotta, y'all young. If I don't keep y'all, My young, terminology then y'all was, lose was
1: taken. Like when ghosts. <laughs> wait, wait wait the people ghost. listening.
2: Hey, hold on before we go to the question. Then let me tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> so I get I get a text the other day. We 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 have people that listen. For all different reasons, <laughs> right? So we're
1: celebrating some. Yeah, we, we honor all people.
2: And then people, like, they dissect what we're, we're doing, right? On all different levels. So I'm being dissected on something I, I kind of have said. You know, your mind's twirling. And you spit something out, and they're like, did you say it this way or did you say it that way? Mm. Then I was told this. Are you ready for this? And whoever's listening, they'll know we're talking about them at this moment. Um, it they, they said, well, um. This is what I was told. Hey, have you ever listened to them on double time? And so I was like, why? Well, those guys sound completely drunk if you listen to them on double time. (laughs) (laughs) This is what we find out about
1: ourselves on this podcast. Oh, my gosh. So
2: I'm trying to figure out how do we speak differently today? Yeah. So we don't sound like we're drunk for all those who listen double time. Okay. Yeah. Or don't listen to us double time. Yeah. This listen to us in real time. <laughs> I, I, I know
1: Chad has like a 1.5 speed, yeah. you know, like they sound like chipmunks yeah. almost. Can't do it. But I, I, don't, I guess that's what we sound I, like. I don't know, man. Well, Maybe we pick up our voice. We, we don't drag it out tones. too much. I don't know. You, I mean, you guys let us know in the comments if you think we Anyways, need to. Anyways,
2: that's way off yeah. the mark, but I didn't. <laughs> I was told that this week. So, hey, at least people are listening. Let's go. Give us the question. Here we go. Time
3: now for Pastor Johnny and Pastor Tim to drop that spiritual knowledge on you. This is the PSP Question of the Day. Everybody's favorite segment. Of course, it's me. Of course, it's Johnny and Tim. Mostly me, but enough ranting. I'm just going to get to the question. So, we find in the Old Testament that the concept of bearing fruit is spoken of with Judah. So the question is, why does the Bible reference fruit as its spiritual symbol and not say vegetables? Is there anything more about that?
1: Fruit. Mm, there we go. I, I'll i chime in real quick. Go for um, it. First off, uh, I have, my heart always goes, like, every time I want to preach, like, there's always things you think about first. Like, can it fit into this context and vegetation and planting is always one of those things I always think about when it comes to um, just the word of God and the processes of life. And so I always, if there's a way to talk about that, I will. And I've, I've had illustrations and everything about it. But, I mean, I, I you can maybe go into more depth. But, I mean, I think it was just one of those things culturally, uh, just like social media plays a huge part of what we do and many people will talk about it in generations, uh, in the future about how this wave, um, was very led by that. But I think, uh, culturally speaking, that was just kind of the way of life. That was, um, that was what everyone pretty much did. Farming, agriculture played a huge part, uh, in society, in culture. And so for Jesus and for many prophets to bring analogies of, vegetation or fruit or uh, planting or any of those t- sorts of things really um, rung in the ears of people because it was just something that was culture- culturally relevant at the time. I don't know. You You hit a little bit more deeper on that. Um, uh,
2: so my mind starts pinging all over the place. Like, obviously, Galatians talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah. I think that's what we most would often think about when we think the analogy or the symbol of fruit being talked about in Scripture um, you, you think about, uh, Matthew seven, Jesus is saying a good tree bears good fruit mm. a bad tree bears bad fruit. Um, he even curses a fig tree his final yeah. week walking into Jerusalem. So there's this fruit. It's, uh, it's what the spies going into the land of Canaan bring back, you know, these big grapes, yeah. you know, all this stuff. So it's all over. It's, it's back in the garden, right? Do not yeah. eat the fruit of the tree of the yeah. knowledge of good and evil. Um, I I don't know if it's a discrepancy. Like, you know, it has to be fruit versus vegetable. At the same time, uh, my dad used to, before he went into ministry, owned a landscaping and tree care business. Um, And so what I think about is that, like, a fruit takes years to develop on a tree, right? You can't, can't, you can plant, like, a tomato vine, and then, you know, in a short time, you get tomatoes. But a tree takes time to actually develop fruit. It has to mature itself. Um, and I think about the fact that a fruit not only produces something, um, tangible, but there's also the element that it it has a seed in it that even when that is gone, it has something to reproduce itself. So, you know, I think that that analogy is maybe around those things of, you know, it's, it's understanding, like you said, contextually, culturally, this is the world they live in. We know it takes time for fruit to develop, but when it does and what it produces is not only pleasing to the eye, it's good fruit from a good tree. Um, it also has something that reproduces itself. So I think that's more maybe of the picture A vegetable. Once you, once you chop it off, it, you know, it's done, um, you know, and, and so, I mean, I know you can sometimes take pieces of it and replant it, but uh, it doesn't automatically do that for itself. You have to be the one to kind of do that. Uh, so, That would be where I would lean into is the fact that it it shows maturity. It shows that it's, you know, available to reproduce itself. And there's something in that with the nation of Israel. There's something in that with believers following Christ that that seems to be the message. It's not just for you and you understanding this and maturing in this and walking in this. It's going to need to have a seed that's left behind
1: to reproduce itself. Yeah, that's fantastic, man. Hope that answers your question here at the PSPQ segment of uh, of the week, so we're thankful for that. But let's get right to it, man. We wanted to, uh, yesterday's service was fun, as we mentioned earlier. We got to kind of let people see a glimpse of just who we are as pastors, how we mesh, what our thought processes were in this Old Testament, kind of recap everything leading up to it. But as we've shared amongst ourselves, really laying out a vision for what we want to do here moving forward for the future as we dive into the greatest story ever told, um, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, here on week 33. So uh, we're now getting ready to transition to that, but um, I got to be honest with you, and Chad brought it up, but we're, we're getting ready to close out, and I'm thinking we would probably be a little more closer to the New Testament book-wise and I'm like, you know, I got that in my head. So I'm thinking Ezra is just kind of on that back end just because it just chronologically works that way. And then Master Chan's like, hey, bro, you kind of got it wrong. Like there's there's a lot more books, uh, you know, in between here. And so I think that was one of the main questions yesterday. Why are we diving from Ezra straight to the New Testament? You know, what does, does these other minor prophet um, – You know these books. Do they have any importance? And so maybe for those that weren't in our in the service yesterday, maybe give them a little bit of a some context behind that on what you how you explain that. Yeah. So
2: if you've been with us and you are been listening weekly, um, you know that you know it, it feels like sometimes we stopped and we sat in something for a while. You know Abraham and and Moses were in it for you know three four weeks, which we could be in it for months. Let's be honest. And then all of a sudden, it's like we just hop, skipped, and jumped, to, you know, yeah. to the next piece. And it wasn't to negate or or purposely leave behind things in scriptures. What it is is to th- to really walk this thread, this narrative thread in the Bible. You know, I was telling someone yesterday afternoon that my my prayer, my desire, is really for the person who goes, "Man, I I really didn't understand all this before." Mm. I didn't even know how to talk about my faith, right? That all of a sudden, this big, wide, long story in their mind and in their thinking has begun to shrink in in a in a way that, in story form, they can turn around and begin to talk about God's story. Yeah, you know, they can say, "Hey, you know, what I learned about what God created in Genesis and what happened because of sin and the fall of man, and you know, and the." The world became so broken, God wanted to just really get rid of it, but he decided in his compassion, no, you know, I'm going to find one. His name was Noah, and he's going to restart that. Yet, even though he did that, man still stumbled and be able to, like, maybe not to that detail, and they're still like, whoa, I can't do that yet. In some way, begin to do that yeah, and begin to tell that story. And so for some people, they don't realize, like, you know, in the Hebrew Scriptures, and in, in the way the Hebrew Bible is compiled versus maybe our old and new Testament that we have today, once it was you know compiled and the way it was kind of put into books and chapters like first and second Kings is really one book, mm. you know, because it chronologically talks about the Kings and it talks about the, the, um, the judges. It talks about the prophets. So then when you get towards the end of quote unquote, our old Testament, you get the prophets, you get Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, you get the minor prophets, you know, and Amos and Jonah and Obadiah. They're all within the structure of first and second Kings. Mm. And some of what we see in Chronicles, what we're reading out in Ezra. So, while those books tell the story they, of Israel. They've just been separated they, in parts, right? Get so you get their pieces see, yeah. in extra, and not extra no. books, within their letters and books and yeah. the writings is what they would say in the Hebrew Scriptures of what their their prophetic word was, when they were saying mm. it, what the message was, how the people were responding. So we just, we, we're trying to do this in one year, right? The way yeah. we're trying to do it. And so we're trying to get through the thread of the story, so that you understand where Israel got itself, what was promised, what God comes through on, what that means for not only Israel and, and the Jewish people, but for the world around us until he comes back and returns mm. again. So that's kind of like
1: the so nutshell it's almost, almost like sub-stories. Yes. So like you got, you know, the, the big story, Israel, and then you have your sub-stories, your Daniels, your Jonah. Your you know, your and, mind. And they're of not lesser than it's yeah.
2: just, you know, it's like, hey, if we told people for five weeks we're gonna be in the book of Habakkuk, you know, yeah. like you'd be like, What did he just say? Like mm-hmm. I thought it was maybe Habakkuk, <laughs> Habakkuk, like and who are we talking about? Yeah, he's a prophet within the time structure that we're talking about, mm. but we're really looking at the story of God and we're looking at it through his promise of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Israel. Yeah where they got themselves what god promised them where they ended up why god sends jesus what that not only means for the people then but it means for us now mm. the new testament church and then the return of god for all those people yeah. so that's the the focal point more than just like but we didn't get to talk about esther mm-hmm. that's why we call it the never ending story right go back and read Esther. Cause you're like, man, we walked through the whole Bible. I learned so much this year. And yet there's so much we didn't get
1: to <laughs> we missed. It's true. together. It's true. You can
2: learn and hopefully we can learn together yep. down the road. But in this moment we didn't. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it.
1: Yeah. And so now we're, we find ourselves in Ezra for many of us. Listen, if it's your first time popping this book open and checking it out. Welcome to it. Right. It's 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 a a great story. And we want to dive into some context with this. So Ezra chapters one through three are where we're going to reference a lot of what we're going to talk about here today. Um, But we are at the uh, pretty much uh, I'll just sum this up. But the message of Ezra is that when we depart from God, we lose our experience of him. But when we return to him, he will restore us to fellowship with him. And we see that beginning with chapter 1, verse verse 1, where basically, uh, or verse 5, Ezra 1, 5, so the family heads of Judah and Benjamin, along with the priests of Levites, everyone whose spirit God had rose, prepared to go up and rebuild the Lord's house in Jerusalem. Prior to that, though, it talks about King Cyrus, yeah. and we find out he's, he's not... Um, a devoted follower of God so to say um he yep. but he receives a message from God he re- or he's, uh, the spirit kind of prompts him right to yeah. uh, to to bring favor over over this these people and he sends a decree basically you guys are okay with going ahead and rebuilding you know this 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 temple yes and so that's kind of where we find ourselves now
2: yeah this is this is to me, very intriguing because this really shows the historical point of view of the scriptures because, you know, the people that question it, is the Bible real, all that kind of stuff, don't realize that historically, scholars do not deny the Bible in its writings, in its time periods, mm. in in those types of things. They don't. Believer or, or non-believer, what they will Debate and disbelief is the authority of God, the the belief in God and a deity or whatever within it
1: that He's the only way, right. or things but they like that. don't
2: they don't deny its historical content. Yeah, and here's what's amazing about the Book of Ezra. So we were talking about you know we didn't get into like the prophet Isaiah, we didn't even get into that book of the Bible. However, Isaiah is a prophet that is happening during these time periods. And it's through Isaiah, listen, that God gives this prophetic message. So this is before these events happen. And this is recorded in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 44, verse 24 through 28. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer. So God's talking about what he's going to do for Israel through the prophet Isaiah. He says, Mm. and he who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things who stretches out the heavens alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself, who frustrates the signs of the babblers and drives diviners mad. Okay? Then he goes on, he says, to the cities of Judah. So this is where, like, this is prophetic word to Judah before these events transpire. He says this, he says, you shall be built. Mm -hmm. So they're being told they're going into captivity. But prophecy is coming that you will be built again. And then it says this, I will raise up her waste places, because he told them, I will not walk by you anymore. We looked at this in scripture. You will be laid to waste because of your sin against me. And then he says, he who says to the deep, be dry and I will dry up your rivers. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and he shall perform all my pleasure, saying "You, to you, Jerusalem, you shall be built and to the temple, your foundation shall be laid. So God gives a prophetic word through Isaiah, about this man named Cyrus that is going to turn to, to, to Judah, to Israel, and say, you shall be built. Your foundation shall be laid. Wow. This is being spoken about before the events that are chronicled in Ezra. Wow. And then Ezra starts out talking about the king of Persia that has now overtaken the people and the and, and the army that overtook Judah. Oh, and by the way, that king's name is King Cyrus. (laughs) Like what a crazy connection that you can't really explain. It's there historically, so you can't deny it other than how did this prophet of God know and speak this name Cyrus when it shows up at this point? These are the moments that other people who don't believe and disbelieve have a really hard time. Wrapping their head around and trying to justify the prophecies and scriptures, and we'll look at some of them coming this week with Jesus. How many prophecies in the Old Testament talked about who Jesus was and right. what he was going to do when he arrives? This is where we start the story.
1: Yeah, and and Jesus came to fulfill a lot of those prophecies. Yes, um, and so that's that's phenomenal. And, and he I doesn't think doesn't know God. He doesn't yeah.
2: follow God. He doesn't even have a belief in God. But God. Uses him. This is what's key in his story for people to understand that God will do what He needs to do to to write His story. Mm. And and this is I don't want to take it this far, but let's let me just give you this example for believers. There are so many believers divided right now politically, right? And I was talking to a guy the other day. He was he was struggling with what he believes and even what you know, spouse believes. divided politically and you look at like our country and you look at and i don't want to go too far with this but just for for example even the people that are going to represent probably both sides of the spectrum in our presidency and there are people that just can't take it that that if this person doesn't win or that person doesn't win everything's going to fall apart mm. and this is where as a believer it is not politics above kingdom It is kingdom above all politics. Therefore, my faith and my trust rests in the king of kings and the Lord of lords, not the president of the United States, right? Because God will do what God needs to do. So we see that with Cyrus. Here is a non-believing king, the king of Persia, who now has taken over the Babylonians, who now has taken over Judah, and yet God uses him to give them favor To come back and restore and rebuild. (laughs) God's in control. Trust God first above everything
1: else. It's true. It's true. And listen, you put your faith in man. I mean, you're in for a disappointment. I mean, it's just, I just don't understand. We continue to, yeah. again, I I reference back to just the the consistent repetition of disobedience and repetition of just not learning from your prior uh, mistakes and prior beliefs. Like, you keep... Doing the same things. Listen, are you just, don't you get it? Like it's uh, putting trust in man, putting trust in politics, putting trust in your financial, your capital. Um, it's going to to amount to disappointment at the end of the day. And we have to come to a place where we can put our full, complete trust in God and make him king and Lord of our hearts. But we're looking at about, what, 70 years from that Isaiah years? time frame from, that he prophesied from Jeremiah. It? From Jeremiah? Jeremiah
2: prophesied okay. the seventy years. Yep. So there's another prophet. And then here it is happening. So there's another historical moment mm. where you have to, in your mind, if you really doubt this, go, how can one man say this is gonna happen seventy years prior and seventy years later, historically, it actually does happen. That's insane. Right? So for, for all those who wanna try to poke as many holes as they can within the text in the scriptures yeah. to try to discount it. Let me show you many things that I want you to try to you, you know figure out and rationalize without seeing that God is fully in this, mm-hmm. right? We laughed yesterday because we were like, Ezra one through three. you know, as we've gone through this, we've had those moments where, hey, anybody want to preach this and it's it's crickets, which lets me know <laughs> no one else wants to yeah, touch no this. One's raising their hand. Go ahead, Tim. <laughs> You can have that one.
1: That's why you the leave faster, bro. And then
2: they're <laughs> like, you guys are like, give me that one. And I'm like, "Oh, I see. I see which one you took. Yeah. I see which one you left from me. I yeah. see which one you had." Even even PJ having Judah like, oh
0: my t- you gosh. know, last week, He's two weeks probably ago, had it he the hardest. He's yeah.
2: he's like, "I mean, if you want it, you can have it back to me." <laughs> and I'm like, "No, you got it, man." He's like, well, you mean, just whatever. Like if you want to preach it, you can have there's, it." And I'm like, fight. "PJ, do you want it?" Yeah. I yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> so he's even like trying to toss it back yeah but uh, we laughed because you know Chad was like it can get really boring you get into Ezra 2 so if anyone's I listening rough. right now yeah,
1: that one's rough.
2: and you just open up Rez Ezra 2, it literally is like now these were the people of the province who came up out of the captivity of those exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried captive to Babylonia. So even there you start to go, man, we're starting to go start getting into that stuff again. I don't Crazy. know the language, I don't know the people we're talking about. And then it's like the number of the men of the people of Israel the sons of Parash 2172, mm. the sons of Shephatiah, 372, the sons of Ara 775 and it just goes and you're like for the for the average regular Bible reading person, this is where you just jump you jump and you go, let me see a chapter three doesn't have these names and numbers and let me pick back up there.
1: That's insane.
2: But let me talk about this for a moment because this is that piece. And this is what's so cool. Let me tell you this. It's been amazing. We've, we've experienced this. Every week when people come up to us and they start speaking into the story because they do know it or they see some of the insight we have not unwrapped or, or had the time on a Sunday morning to dive into. So this person comes up to me yesterday in tears, just trying to talk to me, composing themselves, And they said, you know that Ezra chapter two, you guys you guys joked about. Um, she said, uh, uh, you guys were like, man, it's so boring. She said, and when, as soon as she went there, I was like, tomorrow the podcast, this is where I was going. But it was so awesome to see that her mind and heart had already gone there, right? Think about it in these terms. She said, you've been exiled to Babylon taken away because of the sins of your family, right? Cause we're, it's 70 years. So it's another generation or two, possibly three, depending on, you know, that are coming back. It's the question of how amazing would it be to open up the Bible and see the Sierra family of 772 people came back to Jerusalem and your name was in the Bible, mm-hmm and so when we look at it and go all these names, all these numbers, like I'm bored out of my mind. Think about if you're those people. Let's keep it in context. It's everything. And your name is being recorded in the story of God to come back as part of the people groups who build the altar and the temple for the city of Jerusalem. Wow. It's like, you know, it's like when you you go to like uh, the D-Day Memorial in D.C., and, and people know relatives that have fought in, in wars and battles, and they, they're they looking down the, the, the granite to see where their name has been etched in and memorialized because of what they did on behalf of our country and for serving and for what they sacrificed and how much that means to that family, and they take pictures at it. Think if you are descendants of these families. So while we joke that it's really boring to us if we would just pause for a second and go but how amazing that your name is recorded in God's story
1: the impact that would have in your life he didn't forget about you
2: no he knows you yeah he knows your name yeah we we hear this stuff and we just don't think about it until we put it in the right perspective
1: yeah um that's the beauty of legacy and we talked about that uh, last week. I got a chance to speak with to my family. My great grandfather was the pioneer in bringing the gospel of Jesus to our family, and here here is his great grandson bringing bringing word. My dad probably the first time him hearing me speak publicly. My cousin. Talks to me the next day. We're at the gym, in my gym, in the garage, and he's like, "Man, dude, I spoke to your dad, and I—I I tell you, like the feedback. He, he had such a big smile on his face when he was watching you uh, teach. And I just—I I, keep running from—I keep running into that word legacy. Like, someone, someone paved the way. Someone, um, someone was praying. Someone was putting was in the trenches, getting everything ready. For one day to you to be able to do that, and and so that's uh, the powerful. It's thing it is man of
2: what we keep trying to unwrap for people. Yeah, like if 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 you just hang your hat on a few things over 32 weeks with us, hang your hat on the power of multi generational faith. Mm. You spoke of it last week, being at your family reunion. You're speaking of it today. My grandfather served in the the Korean War. And from everything that I know, he was a wild, crazy, fight everyone in town type of dude. I never heard any of those stories, none of them, because when he found Christ... He changed everything. He was he was in the navy. He was a sailor. So mm. you know, cuss like a sailor, drink like a sailor, fight like
1: a pop by the sailor, sailor man, huh? the
2: whole nine yards. I never knew my whole life until later, like when we'd swim, he'd swim in a t shirt to cover up his tattoos. Like for him, that's the old me, the new me found Christ. And my grandfather went to an ultra conservative Bible college, okay, where he already was married, so they couldn't even live on campus. They had to live in. The, the the Bible college had like RV campers for married couples that he had to live in while he was going to college. And that's where he had one of my uncles and my father. And I, I find out years later that like my grandfather would pray that his family. He's from a family of ten. He had nine kids, so big families. Wow. That they would one day know the God he found. So he's like, wow. the, the 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 believer in the family. He's, he's found Christ. Now he's going to school to be a preacher. He died when I was in 10th grade. So he, he, he never knew that I here I am a third generation pastor because of him. I used to travel with him on all these revival wow. tent meetings, the whole hellfire and brimstone. I grew up in, uh, under all that kind of stuff and watch him preach. And yet then here, four generations later, my son gets a college offer to play basketball, scholarship to go to university. And it's the same one my grandfather went to. So we're walking around campus, his orientation week, getting ready to check him in. And all of a sudden, I'm remembering what my dad said about, like, my, my father used to pray that his children would grow up and know the God he found. And I was thinking, he has no idea that four generations later, his great-grandson's walking the same campus wow. that he came to to give his life over to God to be a pastor. Like, look at the power of that, Right. That is multi-generational faith being played out. And I know that doesn't happen in every home and every family because everyone has the freedom to choose, but there's power in it when it happens, and we're seeing that in Israel's story as well, good and bad.
1: That's, that's phenomenal, man. God doesn't forget, though. Um, just quick side note, man. I Actually, I've been reading the one-year Bible. I've been doing that for a few years. Okay. And uh, where we are currently is in Ezra which is really? insane. Yeah. Let's uh, go with that. The last from August 3rd all the way till uh, today August 7th, they'll give you uh, they'll, they'll they'll give you an Old Testament passages along with New Testament stuff. And uh, and then you complete it in 365 days. And so uh day 20, 206 no, 217 we began Ezra 1 and 2. And then today we're in day two twenty. We're in Ezra seven and eight. So it's I funny think. that we're yep. it's tying in. Um, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. It's amazing.
2: So, you know, the story of Ezra really brings not a full end to Israel's story. Ezra and Nehemiah is actually was originally one book. Um, mm. It was separated in in our Old Testament, and I know people have. Well, you know, the question will be why. We can get into you know when the it was canonized and how that was done. The reality is it's still the same story.
1: Yeah.
2: You know whether it's compiled together or it's separated, and then you get Esther. So you get what we wanted to end with was the return, mm. that picture of return. That's that's the key part. Yes, we could go into Nehemiah and the building of the, the yeah. building, the city walls, and you know all that stuff. And then Esther coming along, and you've got the king, and you've got Mordecai, and you got Haman, yeah. and you got this 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 you know, really now princess stepping in on behalf of her people for such a time as this, you know, and really saving the nation of Israel from utter destruction under the, the the decrees and everything that was being done there. But it was, let's get, let's get at the end of this to the return. Because if not, how do we get to Jesus? How do we get to the, 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 The nation of Israel, the Jews are back in, quote unquote, Jerusalem, even though they're under a Roman authority now, right? They were exiled. How did they get back there? So it was to really bring that picture, Mm. but also that spiritual picture of return. And that's why even yesterday for a moment, we were looking at chapter three with rebuilding the altar, rebuilding the foundation for the temple. Not only were those the first things they came back and started there's significance in their first project. It's like, what's the most important thing you need to accomplish today, right? What's the most important thing we need to accomplish if we're allowed back in our land? They didn't say my house, right? They, they, They didn't. They said it's the altar for the sacrifices and it's the foundation for the temple. And so contextually in reality, that was visibly the most important thing for them to come back and do. But I think also symbolically and spiritually, there's something there that when they returned, the first things they knew had to be restored and rebuilt were the altar for sacrifice and for forgiveness and the foundation for the temple, the place of worship
1: where God would meet them. You know what that reminds me of? Um, uh, Teach a child in his ways and he'll never depart from it. Um, and I feel like, as far as they went away from God, when they came back to something they uh remembered of old or at a young age or it quickly triggered the the teachings and the thought processes of of what possibly or, or what was given to them in regards to God yeah and, and 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 if there's anything that you grab out of that, it's that your kids won't forget the things that you the, every little moment that you can to instill the word of God, we talked about that, how, how this is multi-generational. We talked about how this never-ending story, we've walked with it with our children uh, in the children's ministry. They know exactly, they're going through the same exact Bible studies as we are, but all of this is ingraining and depositing seed that one day, let's just say they fall away from God and his grace when they get back to somewhat of, of of the territory or back to the path again, something triggers and it's those teachings you you gave them. it's those lessons that they learned, those Bible school lessons it's 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 the prayers of your mother and father. it's the lessons you had in Evo time that you had in the morning or before school or before bed. all of that matters and I I feel like these because they, knew the importance of, of this, the altar building and foundation building, um, they, they could only know this because someone taught them that. Someone instilled that in them. Yeah. And when they got to that promised land or the place that they could do that, that was the one thing they said, this must be done because this was shown to me. And so I, I thought that was great, man. You I was a, that,
2: that kids are morally developed by the age of nine. Yeah. Study shows this. We know within the faith that more people put their faith and trust or more kids do by age 13 than any other age. So it shows how critical those young years are. This is why we keep talking about preaching against the ideologies of culture, the things that we allow ourselves to be entertained by, to participate in, to watch, to see, to listen to, because, you know, there's this this naive thinking as a parent that like, well, my kids won't catch this, but subconsciously they are. And so there's ideologies that the world is tossing at them, especially through media and television and technology that you think, oh, they didn't catch that. Right. Um, they did, they did, you know, and, and they do because it's morally developing who they are by the age of nine. And so that's why those early years are so critical Yet at the same time, what you said is so true, because a woman came up to me yesterday after the second service, older woman, in tears, and she says, I really thank you for this morning, and really just that quick moment of rebuilding and restoring that God, what, we talk, what we're what we talking about in the story, and she goes on to tell me, she goes, my son is in his 50s, he messed up in his marriage, and completely broken and has come to God and found God in a way I never thought before. And the things that he's speaking about that God is doing. And it was that reality. Like there's still some brokenness, obviously because I don't know the details of anything else. Like if the marriage can be worked out, was worked out or whatever, but her realization that, and we talked about train up a child. She said that like he's 50, He's not 21, not 32, not whatever. He's 50. And those things that she was teaching back then, she had no idea he was going to need at this point in his life. And now he's clinging to those things that he was taught. And now those things are starting to take root and change him in a very difficult time because we know that's what hopelessness does and brokenness. It brings you to the point of where do I go? And you realize the only place I can go is Jesus. And yet, the things she taught at fifty <laughs> is playing a significant part of his life.
1: It's insane! It's insane! I, I love and, and and being able to talk through the the uh, the building of the temple from the from from another time frame. splendor and the beauty but we find out that the foundation is a huge importance when it comes to building a project it's everything it keeps everything aligned and together and what is the first things that they build is the foundation what is the what is the one thing jesus talks about the foundation right building your house on a solid foundation there's huge implications um that are that need to be taken, um, and that are important if you're going to build this house. And so the foundation is an important thing. And but the altar as well. They they I, I love that in the midst of their project they're still offering sacrifices to God. Like as we're building this, I am still honoring you. And we go further along, right? Or in that passage, uh, it says that they continue to provide burnt offerings and sacrifices morning and night, even though they feared the surrounding places, right? So uh, like you said, pain, suffering, heartache, fear, those things may not go away in your life, but it shouldn't get to the point of crippling you from giving your worship, giving your faith, giving everything you have to God so that you will see and reap the harvest in your life.
2: They had everything coming at them. They had other groups of people. Yeah that opposed the rebuilding. Why? Because remember, the Israel as a nation had been split, northern yeah. and southern. And so now when they're all dispersed and they're allowed to come back, they're allowed to come back, right? Yeah. So some are claiming no, it should be in this location. Some are claiming no, it should be in this location. Some are claiming it should look like this. Some are claiming no, it needs to look like this. So there's all that just going on. Not only the reality that you're under the rule and reign and dictatorship of a king that is not a God-following king. So now there's probably this fear of like, hey, when we offer sacrifices daily, morning and night, we're pledging our allegiance to a God he doesn't follow, and we're pledging our allegiance to the fact that this God is our ultimate authority, Mm -hmm. not him. So there's that reality too. Like you think about the people we talk about, like if your faith came down to someone saying, choose this authority or choose God's authority, what are you going to do? Yeah. And so you have all that playing a part. And just like we do when, you know, students walk into school this week and they're, they're thrust into the presence of many non-believing people who mock our faith, who, poke at our faith who now in today's culture really label it, you know, and, and put you in a corner with it. It's very easy to be fearful of the people around you, but they did not fear those people more than they feared God. And that is something I think many of us need to sit in today. Do we fear God more than we fear the people around us? You know, it's like you have, you have your barber, you know, who, who goes to Genesis now. And we both know that, like the first time you sit in a barbershop chair, and you begin that initial conversation, <laughs> I talk about this often. And all of a sudden, you know, the clippers go on, and you start talking. And he's telling you how long he's been a barber. And he's like, "What do you do?" And you're like, "You're a pastor." You just kind of hear, oh. <laughs> kind of away from your head for a second, like the, the buzz process. gets louder. <laughs> but you, and it's not it's not utter fear, but there's a hesitation because you yeah. know the moment I say this, this could go good or this can just go, yeah different and we feel that tension all the time everyone does but i have to remind myself i never know where this conversation is going to take me and so if i if i lean into that that hesitant moment that fearful moment or that little scared moment and i don't and i'm like um yeah so like i run a i run an organization that that really helps people love on other people around (laughs) our city like and try to rephrase (laughs) what i do that's terrible yeah because at the end of the day it's an opportunity possibly To speak true. of my God and they don't fear the people they fear God.
1: Yeah, that's true man. and so uh, I look at it as a great evangelistic weapon yeah. like seriously, like I used to have trouble like getting to that conversational piece like how do I get this started? But now it's easy like <laughs> just ask me what I do and here we go like it's uh, you know so it's easier uh, for us I think, I think so.
2: You know what's really hard for? our wives. Not in their ability to be bold. It's the setting. You mm. know, they go to the park with a bunch of other moms, all the kids are running on playing together, and the moms start talking about, you know, what they do, what they're about, and what their husbands do. And it's when your wife goes, my husband's a pastor, that all the other women in that circle are, like, mm. just kind of silent, you know. And, and, you, and that's, that's a hard tension for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the same thing of, like, their boldness to yeah. go, hey, this is what we're about. Never, You never know what that leads to a connection with another family and their yeah. kids versus, you know, for someone else like, yeah, that's not the family we're going to hang around because we don't believe in their faith and we definitely yeah. aren't going to go to their church. You know, all that stuff cycles through our minds just as much as it does the people listening right now. Yeah. And it's the ability to rise above that and go all things for God.
1: Man. So good. And they continue on, verse uh, chapter three eleven. They sang in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord, for He is good; His faithful love to Israel endures forever. Um, it's a great picture. We talked a little bit about it, but uh, for the new generation that is in this mix, they are celebrating. They've maybe have never seen this full splendor of this temple, and so for them, this is this is this is big. This is huge. This is new. But for those that were a part of that splendor of the old temple it, 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 scripture goes on to say that they mourned and they or not mourned but they cried um just because they they were able to see uh some of that back then and 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 the reality is like the condition of where they're at like it's doesn't compare to what it was back then it's, the situations were very different. And so, you know, tears of joy, but also remembrance of what it used to be to where it is now. I think I think a lot of us are in that type of predicament, too, in life. We make decisions that, man, we look back and we're like, wow, I I, I had it good at that time. And I've chosen some very difficult steps and has really made this harder for me. I may be where I'm at now, but it, it really came at a cost.
2: It's like someone's story can go both ways, right? You have a moment of destruction, whatever that looks like in your life. That moment of just everything came crumbling down, you know, so it's a, it's a metaphor of what Israel actually went through. Cities destroyed. Temple is broken down to the ground to rubble, yeah. and you're taken away then God invites you to come back and restore and rebuild it. Doesn't quite look the same way. And sometimes it it has joy in it because it's better. You know, it's like someone's parents went through a horrible divorce and you'll hear someone say, but my mom's happier than she ever was because this man loves her the way she was supposed to be loved. Mm. So there's joy in it. At the same time, Someone can go through a story like that and there's some weeping like things have moved forward and there's been a rebuilding, but it's not what it was. Yeah. And you remember those stories and those pieces. And I think there's beauty in that because it makes it so real for the person that sits on either side of that story in their life. Whatever it may be that was broken is being rebuilt. You see these people dealing with the same thing and you go. So the story that is their story is also my story and and what they were finding in it and the emotions they had, the good and the bad, I have as well. But the focal point is still God's invitation to return and rebuild yeah. and restore. And there is some beauty in that for someone today that is really struggling through something that God is currently rebuilding or has been rebuilt that... Is different, doesn't look the same, but is new and is a new opportunity and a new day and a new beginning. That's there for you.
1: Yeah, and, and we and you mentioned your dad being over in Israel. Yeah, um, it's just never been the same.
2: Yeah, Israel never reclaims their land. Mm-mm. You know, they they.
1: That's the hard truth. Uh,
2: You know, you have the Babylonians, you have the Persians, you, you, you eventually will have the Romans, you know, they're always now under the authority of someone else, even though they exist in the land.
1: Mm.
2: And yet God was giving them the promised land.
1: You had it for yourself. And to this
2: day, Palestine and Israel, you have the surrounding nations and people groups and Syria and all that stuff. there's always tension and conflict going on. There's not, there's never peace now, right? Peace is now gone because of the consequences of their choices until God returns. So for the person that's like, well, how long? It's kind of an echo of Israel's beginning story. They're in Egypt. There's no peace. They're in captivity. You know, they're under the reign of someone else, and they're going, God, where are you? How long? And then God sends a rescuer in Moses. And that's really where these stories start to, you know, symmetry, jesus arrives and then god returns ultimately um but i think there's one piece of this story today for people that are st- with us studying god's word yeah in ezra that when you get past the first three chapters as you close out the book it's 10 chapters long um the letter the writing uh ezra is a priest he's not a prophet he's not a judge And really, they come back in like three cycles. So he comes back really with like the second group, the second cycle of people. Um, And as a priest, obviously, he's going to go before God on behalf of the people, with the sacrifices and things like that. But there's a moment where he calls the Levites, the the priest. He calls for a day of fasting, and then he addresses something that I would say that if you're reading this, you would read and go, okay, I think there's a lot to unpack there. And I just want to just kind of briefly step into that for a moment, he addresses the fact that Israel has intermarried with the nations around them. As a matter of fact, it's like he tears his cloak type of a deal. Because it's remember, it's the very thing in Deuteronomy God told Israel not to do. Do not marry the nations, intermarry with the nations around you. What is the reason? Not because God doesn't care about people of other backgrounds and ethnicities. That's the wrong interpretation. He says, because they will lead you to worship their gods and their goddesses, and they will lead you from me. And that's what we watch Israel do. They come in, they mix with the other people groups, they fall in love with women, they take them as their wives, and and they lead them astray type of a deal. And he addresses this. Here's the part that I think we have to hone in because we've said this a few times in, in the Old Testament you can't have God and, you can't have God with. It's two open hands in service to God. It's not one open hand in worship, one hand clenched on something. And so ultimately, pretty much what Ezra does is he says, we can't have this. God said this is, and this is one of the abominations. They've brought their gods and goddesses into our, our stuff. And he says, you have to get rid of your wives. Now, that would unfold and unwrap probably hours of debate for some people. Focus on what the reason why your wives have brought in their false religions and you can't overcome this type of a deal. And so they he brings them together and tells them this is what needs to happen. And it's interesting to read out the rest of the chapter because some do it and some don't. So here we are back at this moment where Judah is allowed to return they know where their sins took them and the priest, the spiritual leader on behalf of the people has now spoken into something they're still holding on to. And there are a group of them that won't, won't do it. And, and I think that's the reality of we're 32 weeks into God's word. If things are not shifting and changing in your life and you're still navigating the same way you were 32 weeks ago, nothing has changed, nothing has been removed, nothing has been shifted, nothing has been repented of, nothing has been you know, transformed, then you have not been walking the story of God with us. You have been listening to a bunch of facts and, and, and knowledge from a book, but you have not letting the power of God's word penetrate your life. And transform you the way that it is. And so it is that reality that like, here they are building the temple where God's presence would come dwell again. Right. And it's like, God was going to come back and be in the house, but for some of them, God would not be in their hearts. And there's the disconnect. There are many people that go to church on Sunday because God's in that house. He's in that place, and that's where I go to find him instead of, no, God is in your heart, and we're back to what you do, what you say, where you go, what you practice, what you take in, what you entertain yourself with, what substance, what addiction, what relationship, what sexual freedom you want to en- engage and in, indulge in. It all matters. It absolutely matters to God, and that is the the end of the book of Ezra is he's addressing, hey, we can't be this way. God told us to be separate people, separated from the nations around us. Some of us have not obeyed that. We've intermarried. You have to get rid of these wives, and there are a group of them that go, Nah. We'll come back to the altar and the house of God and worship and we'll pray with you, but we're gonna still go this way.
1: Yeah, it's it it just the vulnerability of the Israel the Israel people. You know, like that they always like God has to why can't it be the other way around? Why can't you lead them to God? you know like why did, why is it that you're so weak you're you're like this infant that you're vulnerable for any little thing that happens in and around you and it's like you gotta you, you have to do your best to protect them away from the all these things like you know, why can't you be the one to influence those around you? Why can't you be the one to bring people to God and bring him to the mercy and glory of God? It, it always is. It's, it's God saying, don't do this, don't do that, because you'll end up le- being, being led. You'll end up following. You'll end up like, man, it's, it's, it's tiring. Like Years when-
2: of marriage counseling for myself, not just counseling others in marriage, for myself. This is something we talk about often, right? We know this. Let's be honest and let's be really transparent to everyone listening. Our wives have a lot of power. Right? They do. And so therefore, it is the scripture is not bashing women here, right? It's not all the women's fault. Women yield a lot of power in a man's life, right? Let's just be honest. When we're in love. All the metaphors, all the cartoons we grew up with were like, you're just fumbling through like, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever you want, honey. <laughs> yeah. I'm four because you're just, that's how guys are wired. And so therefore women have to recognize this. And men have to recognize that vulnerability in us. You know, in the nation of Israel, we see it. That's why I don't think we read and the wives took men of other nations. It's the men took wives of other nations, yeah. right? And then they caused them. So there shows that strength and that, that that power within them. The same way I'm thinking that like the New Testament scriptures talk about like being in a in an equally yoked marriage where the there's a disbelieving husband. And like should the wife stay or should she not? And like, yes, there's reasons that she shouldn't. But it also talks about her power to literally be Jesus on display and win him over in the faith right mm-hmm. so once again it shows that women are powerful and they are strong and they they they're wise and they have direction and so the women we're talking about are women that were choosing and not from Israel to worship other gods and goddesses and leading these men to that type of Mm. a deal. Men not recognizing their vulnerability, but even women in the faith today, I think it's a great picture of you have a lot to offer your home, your family, your kids. Yeah. Should the man be the spiritual head and leader? Yes, we see that in scripture and we can back that up scripturally. However, that does not mean the wife is less than. If anything, the wife has a lot more strength and power than either she wants to recognize or she does. (laughs) And she uses Mm. it to her advantage in whatever way that can be played out. We've seen that as well, right? For good or for bad. And it's no different today than it was back then that's That's why we see them keep stumbling this way same way we see it happen sometimes inside of marriages today
1: so here we are um concluding the old testament it's been good it's been amazing um gosh great great moments great moments these last 32 weeks as we dive into week 33, Pastor, just give us a quick glimpse, man. What, what are we to expect going in from New Testament all the way till we walk the end of the year into Revelation?
2: The whole world waits and groans, mm-hmm. the scriptures tells us. For what? For its rescue, its redemption, for it to be reclaimed. Yeah. Um, and that's the narrative story we've been trying to walk. God has promised at the beginning of sin genesis 3 that there will be one who will stomp the head of the serpent right and and so like if you're writing this out in a movie you know and then he comes to abraham and says look up at the stars i'm going to bless you immensely look at the the grain of sand try to count it you won't will be the people that follow you but through that one of them is going to bless all of humanity it's going to be the rescuer he's going to come through the scepter will come through Judah you know and so that's why we've been marching this Israel's path you know and how they split and how they return and why because God says no, I can't have Judah in exile I need Judah back because the scepter's coming through them and that's what I said and what I say I do and then it's like then there's 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 silence the prophets are gone there's no more judges there's no more kings God where are you Mm. And it's like the world is forced to go, is God even there? And then all of a sudden it tells us some magi see a star in the sky. An angel appears to the shepherds and declares, you know, good news of great joy. Jesus has come. Right, so that's the that's the moment. That's the moment that should give you chill bumps. That's the moment that like should get you revved up. Like God does what He promises to do, and the one, the only one who can defeat sin that brings all the brokenness and hopelessness in this world has arrived. And so we're going to learn Jesus. We're going to learn how we're empowered with His wow. Spirit to be the New Testament church, and then wow. we're going to be the people right now that are to carry out that good news. Yet we sit around going, "How much longer, God? How much longer is this world going to get?" to this point of just darkness and evil and brokenness and complete lawlessness and complete rejection of all things of who you are and what's going on, how long, and then the story tells us he returns and puts it all back.
1: Ah, so good. Guys, do not miss week 33. If you guys can, we got three services at Genesis Church Orlando. We got at 8, 15, 9, 30, and 11, Come join us. We're in East Orlando. Uh, you can find all of our information at GenesisChurchOrlando.com. We stream live, our 9, 30, and 11, 11 o'clock services. Let this week be a week, man, that you just tune in. Tune in if you're if you're with us for the first time. Tune in, GenesisChurchOrlando.com backslash, uh, or YouTube.com backslash GenesisChurchOrlando. Come, man, be a part of it. Join us. You don't want to miss week 33. We, this is a climactic moment. And now our Savior is jumping into the picture, and it's just it's building up, and it's going to be amazing. And so, a uh, man, such a great, great closing of the Old Testament here, uh, week thirty-two. Uh, two things I want to leave you guys with: if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. Even if we dive into the New Testament, and you got some Old Testament questions, send them over. DM us on Instagram, TikTok. Uh, post podcast at gmail.com whatever your preference is, send us your questions. We want uh, we want to be able to help you out. We can't promise we'll go through all of them, but we'll do our best to be able to uh, feature some of those in the pod here. And secondly, as we spoke earlier, if you're interested in joining us in in, in the post Sunday podcast team, um, if you got this, some skills in graphics, uh, production, whatever it may be, We'd love to hear from you. Post at PostSundayPodcast.gmail.com. Send us a, an email. We'll love to uh, to check you out and get you uh, going here at the pod. But, uh, man, awesome, awesome week. I hope you guys have been blessed. Pass this along. Share it. Like. Subscribe. Comment. Um, click the notification button on YouTube. Be a part of this. Um, we, we get this out on a weekly basis for you guys so that it can be a resource for you and another layer for you to uh just peel off in the scriptures and take in, digest, um, and, and be able to really continue to grow in, in God. So thank you again for all of our post-Sunday podcast followers. We love you guys. Uh, we wouldn't be able to do this without you. Get ready for the next ride here in the New Testament as we get ready to dive in week 33. We love you guys. See you next
0: week. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to the Post Sunday Podcast, presented by Genesis Church, a place to go further, discover more, and to learn things you possibly never have. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Genesis Church Orlando and at Post Sunday Podcast. Till next time, grace and peace to all of you.